0: Good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? All right, cool, man. Well, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm, I'm glad that you guys are with us this morning. If you guys have your Bible, if you guys want to go ahead and turn in there to John chapter 11, we'll be hanging out there today uh, a little bit talking. We've been in this, this series called Shattered Dreams, and uh, it's, I've, I believe it's been a really good series. I've heard a lot of comments, had a lot of emails from a lot of you guys talking about how this series has really been hitting home and, and uh, how it's really been, been getting to some of the places in our lives that a lot of us find ourselves in. And, and if you haven't been here for any of the weeks so far, let me just kind of catch you up on what we've been talking about. We've been talking about this whole idea that a lot of times in life, it doesn't necessarily turn out the way that we wanted it to. You know, we all had these dreams, these ideas of what life was going to be like, and sometimes in fact, most of the time, those ideas, that whole thought process does not end up being the way we thought it was. And so we've been, we've been discovering throughout this, this time that there's typically a process to, to our life and there's, a, there's this way that it kind of happens and, uh, and there's this pattern and, and you'd be pretty familiar with it, even if, if you haven't been here, there's this pattern that we all kind of go through and, we, and we've been talking about it like this, that all of us have dreams in life, don't we? We all have dreams, you know, it might be for your marriage, it might be for your, for your finances, It might be for your career. It might be for your kids. But we all have these dreams of what our life would look like. And and it's this thing that a lot of times is given to us by God. Sometimes it's it's something we just conjured up. But a lot of us, we have these dreams. We have these aspirations of what we think life is going to look like. And a lot of times it just seems like, man, it's just a dream. But somewhere along the way, that dream all of a sudden turns into hope and what happens is, is maybe maybe you're out there and you've had a dream of of having an incredible incredible relationship and someday getting married and all of a sudden you get that that date with that dream guy or that dream girl and you're like oh man Circumstantially, things might be going down, man. My dream might be happening and and things start to change or it might be that career. Maybe you got in that college of your dreams and you thought, man, now that I have Harvard on my resume, I'm gonna be able to do whatever I wanna do. And we get this hope built up and this hope is an incredible, incredible thing that we're thinking, man, this could possibly happen because the circumstances are pointing us this way and it's an an incredible, incredible time in our lives. But when we have hope, typically we found that there comes to be a threat in our life or it might also be called a crisis maybe you guys have heard that word and uh and we have these crises that comes in our lives. And, and something happens that kind of starts to threaten that dream that we have. Maybe maybe it's that boss that doesn't really like us very much in that new job we just got. Or maybe it's the friction we're finding in our relationship with our spouse. And maybe our marriage isn't going to turn out the way that we thought it was going to turn out. And we have this threat. And when this threat happens, uh, we, we get to this crossroads where we have this choice. And that choice is we can either get to this point where we trust or we control. And I learned how to spell this past week, so we're doing well. I got the S in there, so I'm doing much better. But we get to this crossroads where, where we have this choice whether we can we can trust God or we can con- try to control circumstances. And and we've been talking over the last couple of weeks. We, we got to this conclusion with a guy the first week named David, and we saw that he had this dream, this dream to become king. Pretty soon, uh, you know, some circumstances happen, and all of a sudden, there was hope to his dream. All of a sudden, the current king wants to kill him. There's a threat, and he gets to this choice of whether he's gonna going to try to trust God or he's going to control circumstances. And in David's case, he chose to control circumstances. And so he tried to control and manipulate what he could not control and manipulate. And we found out that throughout that process that he ended up giving up some of his God-given values in pursuit of his God-given dream. Because he was trying to control circumstances. And what happens is is when we assume that God thinks and feels that way, we have the tendency to try to control situations. And when we try to control situations, what ends up happening is we get in this vicious cycle of just going around and around and around of disappointment. Because how many of you guys have figured out so far that, that no matter how hard you try to control, it's impossible to control circumstances? And what happens is he just ended up in this vicious, vicious cycle of, of trying to control circumstances. And then last week we talked about a guy named Joseph, and, and he kind of had this, he, it seemed like his, his life was kind of like the, the worst life of all lives, but in the midst of that, there was this whole idea that even though things weren't necessarily going the way he had thought they were going to go and how they're going to play out, he decided to trust God, and we were kind of posed with this, this question, what would we do if we knew that God was with us? What would our life look like if no matter what the circumstances that were taking place in our life, what would it look like if God was with us? And that was kind of the challenge that we issued out. What would your marriage look like if you knew that God was with you? What would your career look like if you knew that God was with you? What would your finances look like if you knew that God was with you? What would your children look like if you knew that God was with you? And we talked about this whole thing of, man, we've got to trust God even when it doesn't make sense because it's in the middle of those situations where we feel like that God is apparently absent, that He is so powerfully present in our lives. And the whole kind of thought behind this series is, is what I want to be able to get you guys to is that the, there is this undeniable relationship between crisis and hope that God wants to get us to. There's, this, there's this, this this, place where hope and Christ kind of come together, where God is trying to take us so that we can r- grow and we can be transformed and we can become these people that God intended for us to be. And I'm going to kind of show my cards a little bit early here today and, and just kind of jump right in here and, and start with this verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And uh, it just kind of messed with me this week. And it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I'm just, I I read that this week, and I'm like, what? Um, Blessed are the poor? I mean, blessed are the poor? Blessed are the poor in spirit? I mean, God, why, why are the poor blessed? I mean, what's the deal with that? I, last time I checked, people that are poor, they ain't very blessed. You know what I'm saying? When we look at it, they're not blessed. But blessed are the poor in spirit. What's the deal with that? And, and, and God just started speaking to me. And he started coming, just coming at me of this like whole idea that, you know what? Man, when I don't know where lunch is going to come from today, it's really easy for me to get on my face and seek God. When I don't have any clue of, of how I'm going to survive or how this, is, this bill is going to be paid or how I'm going to mend this relationship, that's when I seek God. And isn't it true that, that when things are going good and we're hanging out with good friends and we have good food and we got good drinks and, and our marriage is going well and, and the kids are obeying every single word that we're saying, that it's really hard to be grateful in those moments? I mean, it, It's possible. But most of the time, we're not real grateful in those moments. It's like, man, this is how life should be. This is how I planned it would always be. You know, this is my expectation of what's going down. And I think that it's, it's, it's right there that, that God wants to do something in our hearts. Because when it goes dark, when it goes cold, when it's a tough situation, man, we are in a hurry to see God. And when, when we're poor... In our spirit realm, man, that's that's when we seek God the most, when, when things aren't going the best. And Jesus kind of knew this about us. And uh, man, he really wanted to talk about this in John chapter 11, and this is a really, really awesome story that we're going to dive into today. And first, let me kind of give you a backdrop of of what's going down, because I think it's critical that you understand the context of what's happening. What's going down is is Jesus has these friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and these are like his homeboys. I mean, these are some of his best friends. When he's not out with the disciples hanging out, he's at these people's home, hanging out, having fun, playing board games, playing some settlers of Catan, having fun, drinking coffee, just. Just they he just does life with these people. These are just some of his favorite people. In fact, this is kind of like his home when he's not at his real home. And so these are just people that he's down with really, really, really well. And and Jesus in this in this where we're gonna be looking at is uh he's away uh from Bethany right at the moment, and and, and he's actually out there, and he's kind of running um, from some religious people. He's across the Jordan River, and uh, he's doing some work there, and he gets some bad news, and we're going to pick up in John chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. Notice, for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Okay, Jesus right here on the front end, and just like, he just w- wants to stop and say, hey, listen, you know, let me stop right here. Let me tell you why this is happening, why this is going down, what's going to happen in this situation. I want you to know right up front that the situation you're going to deal with, the situation you're going through, is for my Father's glory. So up front, man, you know this, it's for his glory, and it goes on. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And he heard that Lazarus was sick. He stayed there where he was two more d- days. So here we find that, that Jesus' friends. This guy, Lazarus, that's one of his best friends, is one of his boys, is sick, and he hears the news, and he decides to stay where he's at for another two days. I don't know, when I read that, that seemed kind of weird to me. I was like, that's kind of messed up, that Jesus would stay somewhere for two days, because see, his sisters, Mary and Martha, they kind of had a plan. They had this whole idea of what they thought should happen in life. They had this idea that, man, here's our plan. Our brother is sick, and he's not doing really well, so we're going to call Jesus, and Jesus is going to come here and he's going to show up and he's going to do something powerful I don't know if he's going to heal my brother I don't know what he's going to do but our plan is man we're going to call him he's going to come and something profound is going to happen it's going to be incredible because Jesus is going to show up but that was their plan you know, Jesus can help, but it says Jesus didn't show up for two days. And maybe our plans are a lot similar, are very similar to that. You know, we have this whole idea, man, I'm going to pray to God. You know, something's not going well in my life. My marriage isn't going very well. My finances aren't, aren't where they should be. And I'm going to pray to God, and I'm going to pray that he does it like this. And I'm going to pray he does it in this way. And when it happens, it's going to be incredible. He's going to take care of everything. And we're going to continue to pray and seek that, and we're going to believe that that's going to happen. And, and, and a lot of times it doesn't. And, and for you and I, we love this whole idea of following Jesus as long as it goes along with our plans, don't we? I mean, come on, let's, let's be real here. I know this is a church and we're supposed to sit back and just listen. But let's be honest, I love following Jesus as long as he's on my game plan. As long as he's going along the path that I want to go, I'm all down with following Jesus. Man, I love following Jesus. Man, I love the idea of following him until it disrupts my plans and my dreams. I love following him until he does something that that I didn't have planned in that. And he kind of changes that plan. And all of a sudden, Jesus' plan goes this way. And Mary and Martha's plan goes this way, and it, and it intersects. There's this crossroads that he finds himself in, and, it, and, it, and they're like, man, you know, we wanted to go like this, and, and Jesus, you're going over here. What's up with that? That isn't how we dreamed that this would be. That isn't what we thought life would look like. And we saw the same thing last week. We saw Joseph, that, that he had this dream and this plan, and all of a sudden, it was a crossroads, and it went this way, and he had this choice of what was he going to do? Was he going to decide to trust God, or was he going to continue to go that way? And, and, and a lot of us were just like Joseph was, and we're like, God, if you can just do one thing, bro, one thing, that's all I ask. And in that story, we heard that the cupbearer forgot him. And some of you have been stuck in that same place where you feel like, man, God is doing nothing in your life. It seems like your plan is going this way, and God's plan is going this way, and it seems like nothing is going down. And when you show up to to small group and you start taking prayer requests, they don't even have to take your prayer requests anymore because they already know what you want. They already know what your plan is. Man, I want a husband. I want a husband. And so they're already praying for Sally's husband. We don't even have to hear you, Sally, because we already know your prayer request. And you feel like, man, God, if you'll just answer this one thing, man, if you'll just do this, man, I will go be a missionary in Africa. I don't care. God, if you'll just do this one thing. One thing, God, just one thing. If you'll just do this, man, I'll, I'll do Whatever and nothing and you wait and I believe that this this idea of waiting is it's not the most popular pastime here in America any of you guys enjoy waiting okay I don't see any hands and well I mean not that you guys raise your hands anyway so uh, (laughs) how many of you guys don't like waiting okay so pretty much all of you okay good I mean, we live in this time of fast this and instant that and let's get going. I mean, when I roll into the grocery store, I know you guys are probably like this or maybe I'm just sick. I don't know what it is, but I roll in there. I've got my items. I'm counting everybody else's items to know which line to go in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we want instant. We want to get out. Some of you guys, you guys are just like, man, I want it going. I I hate standing in line at the grocery store. I hate traffic. I can't stand it. Anybody else can't stand it? Man, I'm always counting cars. I'm looking to see if people are on cell phones because I don't want to wait. In fact, when I moved to South Florida, I didn't know people honked at you before the light turned green, letting you know that it was going to turn green. And when I got here, I was like, heaven, People are paying attention. They want to get places. And, and we got this whole thing, man. We've got to get places faster, man. And, and we become seduced with this instant and easy. And, and we, we become these quickaholics depending on getting what we want when we want it. I mean, it's just how it is. And, and if I can just be honest with you, man, I can't stand waiting on God. Man, I, I hate waiting on him. It seems like he's, he's not in a hurry and I always am. Maybe you found yourself in the same place. And I think there's a reason we hate hurrying so much. I mean, I know some of you guys, you, you think the reason you're in a hurry is because you're productive, you know, and you gotta, you gotta be able to do lots of things, and you, so you're gonna multitask because you are so productive in life. Well, let me just tell you, the reason you hate waiting is because you feel powerless. You feel like you're not in control of the situation, and it makes us go crazy when we're not in control. And it makes us crazy when God is not working on the same time frame that you and I are working on. And that's where some of you are today. You're, just, you're, you're frustrated with God because you're like, God, you're not sticking to the schedule that I laid out for you. And Lewis Smead said this, and I think it's so true, waiting is our destiny. That right there will mess with some of you. Waiting is your destiny. As creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, we wait in the darkness for a flame we cannot light. We wait for, in fear for a happy ending to that we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like a not ever. And I mean, here's the deal. You know, I don't know why we have this perception that, man, we're going to have everything instantaneously. You know, Mary and Martha, they had to wait two days. There's tons of people in the Bible. They had to wait days, months, years, decades. I mean, think about it. Moses wandering around in the desert, the the children of Israel, what did they wait, 40 years? We talked about Joseph last week in the prison. What did he wait, two years? We talk about... um, John the Baptist ended up in prison, had to wait a couple of years. Talk about Jacob waiting and working for his wife, Rachel, for years. Abraham and Sarah waited for decades for a child. I mean, they were 99. I mean, that's waiting a long time. I mean, that's, that's staying faithful right there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I don't know. Noah waited 150 days for the waters to subside so he could get back on land. I mean, we are all about waiting. In fact, Jesus even waited. I, maybe some of you guys don't even realize that. But there's, there's. I was reading this week, and it just, it just kind of hit me. There's a central word in Jesus' arrest that I, that I never really saw before, and it was this. It says it, he was to be handed over when Judas was, was giving him to the people there. Up until that point, Jesus was, was out there doing things. He was, he was doing stuff. He was performing miracles. He was, he was healing people. He was teaching. He was preaching. He was, he was doing all kinds of stuff. But up until that point, he was doing all that. And all of a sudden, it says, to be handed over. And there's only one other place where those words are in the Bible. And that's in Romans 8.32, talking about God. And, and said, God handed Jesus over to them. It says the same exact thing, and, and there's this defining line in Jesus' life where, where before he was doing, and then he was to be handed over, and at that point he was waiting. And it was in that, that point of where he was doing all this stuff that we look at his life and we're like, oh man, that was incredible. He was performing miracles, he was doing all this stuff, but then he was handed over, and when he was handed over, he was waiting. And what he was waiting for was to perform the greatest miracle in life. The hope of our salvation came in his period of waiting. And it's in his waiting that he lives out his deepest and truest purpose. And let me just say, for some of you guys, it's going to be in the waiting that God is going to perform his deepest and truest purpose in you. I might mess with some of you guys, but I I really believe it. Picking it up in verse 7. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by the night that he stumbles, for he has no light. You know what Jesus is saying right there? I don't have a clue, honestly. I, I was thinking about this this week. I don't have any idea what he's saying. In fact, I know it's tied to an Old Testament prophecy, but if you know what he's saying, if you can email me and let me know, because I, I don't know uh, going on. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. I just think about this. I just think Jesus at this point looks up to heaven and goes, God, you're, you're, you're freaking killing me here. I mean, you've given me like the least intelligent 12 people ever on the planet to work with. I mean, I'm talking about death and they're thinking he's asleep. I mean, these guys are not bright. I don't know what the deal is. Um, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. He's like, let me lay it out for y'all because you guys are kind of slow. IQ is on the lower scale. Um, dude's not breathing, all right? He is not going anywhere. And for, you, for your sakes, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And the disciples are like, what? Man, tell out t- t- Jesus, man, w- what did you just say? W- did you just say he's glad that we weren't there for his death? I mean, what's, what's up with that? I mean, why would you say something like that, Jesus? What would be the deal? Why would you even even go there and, and say that you're glad that you weren't there? And, and according to the scriptures, it says so that we can believe. So the disciples in our faith might be strengthened and our hope in God will be renewed. The purpose for this whole deal, the purpose for Lazarus dying, or part of it, was all for the waiting aspect. It was so, it was so that, let me just, let me just say this differently, because some of you guys are gonna be like, so God's jacking up our lives so he can make us believe. That's, that's not exactly what I'm saying. I, I, I'm, I'm saying that, that God will send some trials, and our lives will allow some trials will allow suffering and pain and crisis to happen in our lives, to detach our hope from other things and attach it to himself. Because here's the reality. For so many of us, we attach our hope to things other than God. We attach our hope to our kids. Some of you guys are living out your life through your kids, all your hope, your dreams, your destinies are all in your kids. Some of you guys, your hope has been attached to your talent. Some of you guys, your hope has been attached to your finances. Some of you guys, your hope has been attached to relationships. And what God is trying to do is he's, he's saying, man, those are, are not bad things. They're just the wrong thing to attach hope to. And, and I struggle with the same thing. I mean, honestly, and, and I struggled whether I, I should even, even tell this story because it, it's a painful story for me. Back in, uh, in 2002, my wife and I quit our job at a church, and, and we really felt like God was, was calling us to, to start a church. And I thought to myself, man, I am a gifted person. I can go and do this on my own. You know, I, I'm a pretty decent communicator. People seem to like me. Uh, I have friends all this stuff, and so we just launched out with this whole deal, man, we're going we're gonna to do incredible things, man, it's, and you know what, God, you can come with us, but you know what, we got this, man, I, I'm good, you know, I, I thought, man, my talent was more than enough to make it, and we launched out with this idea of starting this church, and, and man, we went and we got incorporated, we found this meeting space, and we found all this stuff, and, and we started going, and we failed miserably, Like, we failed so bad, we couldn't even get anybody to, like, even give us a dollar to say, like, we believe in you. We failed so bad that I didn't even know that I wanted to be a Christian anymore because my hope was attached to me and not to Christ. And for so many of us, what happens is, is and maybe you, you went through the same thing, but, but I wanted to blame God. Like, why would you do this to me? How could you do this to me? Why, why is this happening? All those questions, all those things were going through my mind, and it was easy to play the blame game because I was attaching my hope to something else. And, and the whole thing was, is, is, is man, it felt like God was getting me back. It felt like God was, was coming at me from all angles, and he was trying to get me, but I don't think God was trying to do that at all. He wasn't trying to do something to me. He was trying to do something through me. And for a lot of you guys, God is trying to do something through you right now, and he's trying to do something in you, but you just don't recognize it because your hope is attached somewhere else. And maybe today is a day that you say, you know what, I'm not going to attach my hope to people or things or talent or to my kids, but I'm going to attach it to him. Verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds pretty familiar to us, doesn't it? You've probably said it like this. God, if you had shown up in this way, this wouldn't have happened. God, if you had done what I thought you were going to do, God, I thought that when I became a Christ follower, everything turned out great. God, I thought you could have, you should have, you would have. And some of you guys have been going through life, but God, I know you could have healed my marriage. God, I know you could, have, you could have paid our bills this month. God, I know that you could have given me a better boss. God, I know you could have, I could have, could have, but you didn't. And we say to ourselves, man, I thought you could have, but you didn't. Notice in this passage that, that Martha isn't doubting God's power. She says, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. Man, she's not doubting God at all. She's questioning God's timing. She's questioning his timing. She's ticked off because God didn't show up when she wanted him to show up. And that's kind of worth noting because we have the same tendency. We get ticked off at God when he's not showing up the way we want him to. And it's not this question, God, can I trust you? Because God can fully be trusted. It's God. It's it's this whole idea of can we wait? Will we wait? Are we willing to continue to hope in him Even when it seems like things aren't going the way we thought they would. Because you see, hope doesn't come from just believing God's power, but hope comes from trusting and accepting His timing. And that's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Because we want His power, we want His comfort, but we don't want His calendar. We don't, man. We don't want his calendar. We want him to show up when we want him to show up in the way we want. Let me just tell you this, man. God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. Because here's the deal. In your life, you and I, we're more concerned with our comfort than we are our character. And that's where the rub is. That's where the tension is in the relationship. Because we want it our way. And we want it so that we're comfortable. But God isn't concerned with our comfort, man. He's concerned with transforming us spiritually from the inside out. And he knows that, man, if we don't have this spiritual transformation, if we don't get this spiritual transformation, man, we're never going to be the people that God called us to be. And it takes place while we're waiting. The spiritual transformation that we need in our lives takes place while we're waiting on him. It's forged while we're waiting and we're hoping and we're trusting and we're longing. And even though we have yet to receive that thing that we've longed for, that's where our character is really, really, really truly forged. Let's pick it up in verse 22. Verse 21, Martha's kind of mad. I think she probably left some words out there that aren't in that verse, but we'll pick it up in verse 22. It says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She's ticked off, but she goes, hey, listen, even though you didn't show up the way I thought you were, even though you didn't do what I thought you should do and how you should do it and when you should do it and the exact wordage I thought you should use, listen, you're God and I'm not, and I'm going to trust you even though I don't understand it. And I think it's in that place of trust. When we don't really understand it, that true spiritual transformation takes place in our lives. Where you might not like it, you might be like, man, I'm not happy with this, but you're God. And I'm not. Skip it down to verse 43, it says, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes And let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. And this is a powerful story because this story is a reminder that we should never give up. We should never give up hoping because our God is a God of resurrection. Those dreams that died within us aren't necessarily dead, they may look dead to everybody else. But to our God, they can be resurrected. We serve a God who specializes in the most hopeless and helpless situations. And when life isn't turning out the way you hoped, and and you're waiting, and you're longing, and you feel alone, and you feel abandoned, I mean, it's natural. It's so natural for us as we're waiting for that miracle to find, find ourselves feeling hopeless, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to feel like, man, I'm just doing nothing in this time. There's nothing to do. There's nothing I can do. But I want to tell you, you're not doing nothing. You're doing something. And what you're doing is is you're allowing your hope to grow up. In the waiting is where our hope grows and it matures and it becomes real and it becomes this divine faith that allows God to do the impossible in our lives. And I believe that it's only through that hope that we can become the person that God set out for us to be when he formed us and he thought about us. But it's in the waiting. It's not in the doing, it's in the waiting that he wants to transform your life.